Welcome to PNCC Speak, the language of executives. I'm Saskia Epstein, Senior Vice President of Client and Community Relations for PNC Bank in New England. And I'm here alongside my co-host, Carolyn Jones, Market President and Publisher of the Boston Business Journal. Thanks, Saskia. It's great to be with you on PNCC Speak. Each podcast features local executives talking about relevant and timely business topics. This knowledge sharing platform showcases leaders with forward thinking approaches that disrupt the status quo and cause us to think differently. Our guest today is Darren Bascombe, Managing Director and Creative Director of Proverb Agency, a full service marketing and creative agency here in Boston. Darren, welcome. Thank you, Carolyn. Darren, you have been here in Boston for quite some time and last year were named one of Boston's Power 50, a movement maker. Tell us about yourself, your career and what drives you. Sure, yeah. And you're right. I have been here for some time. I started my career doing a brief stint in advertising and then sort of segued into the world of educational publishing, but really kind of cut my teeth working for a firm that focused on designing and developing permanent museum exhibits. And I was really sort of drawn to that work. In many ways, it, um, it allowed us to um, build a sense of culture, to build a sense of community, to facilitate sort of learning and understanding. And, and ultimately, um, it was a way of bringing people together with a, a clear sense of purpose. And I feel like that work really has informed that the work that we do now here at Proverb. Much of what we do really centers on this idea of place making and place branding. And so almost everything that we tend to touch, you know, is a physical location of some sort. And I would say that that work really kind of runs the gamut. It could be working on a affordable housing development. It could be a luxury condo building. It could be a high performance laboratory. It could be a new neighborhood that's being imagined and conceived, but it could be a cultural institution or a higher ed institution or a municipality that's looking to drive a new narrative to economic development. And at this point, you know, we can even say that we're, uh, helping to rebrand a country right now. So it's been a theme that has been in, uh, in great demand, you know, particularly inside of this COVID environment. When we're trying to figure out, you know, how do we bring people together with a sense of clear purpose? How do you ensure that there's a clear payoff to uh, go into a physical space? Tell us a little bit more about Proverb. So my agency really focuses on building vibrant communities through research, storytelling, and design. And we continue to realize those things because they've always been really, really important. The work that we do takes many different levels, and it's everything from working with cultural institutions to buildings of all sorts to neighborhoods to even nations. And uh, you know, some of our clients include the Bermuda Tourism Authority, for whom we're doing a re position and rebrand for the island right now uh, that'll be launching in the fall. The work that we've done with the city of Boston, with our partners, which has yielded the all-inclusive campaign, which is the city's campaign for travel and tourism and really wanted to support an equitable recovery. You know, we've worked with major commercial real estate developers from the development of master sites, which are essentially new neighborhoods, to innovation campuses, to high-performance lab buildings, affordable housing, you know, and that work is work that we've done all over the country, primarily in cities. And then lastly, working with cultural and anchor institutions, outfits like Mass General Brigham and Berkeley College of Music and uh, the New England Aquarium and Old North Church and the MFA have all been clients of ours. On the other side of the pandemic, you know, what we found is that there's been a shift and a real interest in wanting to ensure that if someone is going to show up at a physical location, that it's going to be worth it, that it's going to be 
safe, that they're going to find a sense of belonging, and that it's really going to help to address an unmet need. And you know, we tend to work with our clients to really look at sort of how we can make all of those interactions even more meaningful. As Saskia mentioned, the BBJ had named you one of its 2021 Power 50 movement makers, folks that are really having an impact. That list was comprised of community leaders like yourself, whose work and actions are helping to shape a more equitable Boston. So can you talk a little bit, expand perhaps a little bit on what you just shared, but talk a little bit about your thoughts on that as well? I think that the work that we do here at Proverb has really focused on looking at, you know, how we can build vibrant communities and purposeful ones. Uh, you know, and we really do that through research, through storytelling, through design. And we're committed to ensuring that those things continue to be highlighted. These are themes that have been important to me over the entirety of my career. And we tend to think about these kinds of themes, particularly creating a sense of equity and belonging in everything that we do. You know, if we're working on a new neighborhood, we want to ensure that that happens. We're working with a cultural institution. We want to ensure that that happens. And certainly, you know, in the work that we've been doing with the city of Boston on the all-inclusive campaign, it's another way of ensuring that those themes are centered. When we think a bit about the communities that have been disproportionately impacted by COVID, you know, particularly in the early waves, those communities also make up the backbone of travel and hospitality, you know, immigrant communities, it's black and brown communities. And so for us, these types of themes are front and center for us. And certainly there's a tremendous amount of work to do in the city, but there's also a a tremendous amount of opportunity. You mentioned the all-inclusive Boston campaign, that you worked with Colette Phillips of CPC Global and Martha Sheridan of the Greater Boston Convention and Visitors Bureau on the impactful all-inclusive Boston campaign. And now the mayor and her team have signed you on for another round. Tell us about the campaign, the process, and its aspirations. Sure. And one of the things that's really exciting about the campaign, particularly at this stage, is that it now spans three administrations. And the city did something really bold, particularly in the height of the pandemic, and this is in a pre-vaccine environment, was to issue an RFP that wanted to support a safe reopening of the city at the right time. But secondly, wanting to support an equitable recovery. As I may have mentioned earlier, the communities that have been disproportionately impacted by COVID are the same communities that make up the backbone of travel and hospitality. They're immigrant communities, they're uh, black and brown communities, and many, many others. And so through the partnership between CPC Global and the Convention and Visitors Bureau, we really were able to bring a broad perspective to this particular challenge. And so the first thing that we did, and this was an RFP that was issued in October, we had to be in the can by the end of the year. That's an incredibly condensed time frame to undertake an, an opportunity like this. And one of the things that we really wanted to ensure was that it really was data-driven. And so we brought in a research partner, a, a group called Heart and Mind, or the same group that's worked with cities like Las Vegas that really allowed them to move beyond gaming. And what we found inside of a, a lot of the market research and you know, we cast a, a very, very broad net. You know, so we were looking at opinions and sentiment here locally in the city, uh, but also all over the country. And uh, what we found was that, A, the city of Boston, while well-known for many things, isn't that well-known as a tourism destination, particularly for leisure travelers. We're well-known for 
our academic institutions and our role in the Revolutionary War and the success of our sports teams and all of those things. But when we actually ask people to describe what life was actually like here in the city today, there was a significant gap. Mm -hmm. And what we also found was that when we introduced them to you know, the vibrancy of our neighborhoods, the vibrancy of our cultural scene, our culinary scene, the diversity that exists within the city at this point, their interests really were piqued. And so we thought, you know, why don't we actually create a campaign that feels much more like a visit that catches people up to sort of what contemporary Boston looks and feels like. And all-inclusive Boston was an outgrowth of that. It's a way of taking an old travel term and putting it a unique spin on it to really be able to talk about all the things that you can access here, you know, in terms of people, in terms of places, in terms of things. The second thing that we wanted to do, given that Boston is made up of over 20 neighborhoods, is to extend the areas of the city that are actually in play to not just limit ourselves to what happens between Fenway Park and the Freedom Trail, but to really kind of showcase what happens in East Boston or in Nubian Square or in Jamaica Plain alongside locations that are very well known. And so in the first year when we launched, you know, just given that the hospitality sector was really uh, hemorrhaging at that point, you know, we wanted to, um, to showcase that. And we also wanted to showcase small businesses, women-owned businesses. We wanted to showcase the LGBTQ plus community, uh, people who are living with disabilities, artists, and to really try to celebrate you know, many of the things that make this city so great. And uh, inside of that time, between sort of the first wave of the campaign and the second wave of the campaign, you know, we've been able to generate over 100 million impressions. We've been able to track data on through a number of tools to be able to look at who's actually arriving inside of the city. We've been able to look at sort of what they're actually spending inside of the city. And we've been able to sort of amplify that through other types of partnerships. So we've been really excited by the progress that we've been able to make to date. We've been encouraged by the ways in which many of the city's institutions have really gotten behind the campaign. Uh, the Boston Celtics play the uh, commercials just about every game. The Boston Red Sox do the same. We had all-inclusive night at the Red Sox uh, a couple of weeks ago. You know, large employers like Wayfair now use the all-inclusive campaign as a part of their job offer package to underscore what life looks like in the city and to really try to help them to be more competitive as an employer. Talking about community and community connections, Darren, you moved your office recently and purchased a building. And how do you think that impacts business and community connections for you as a business and as a member of the community? We didn't purchase the whole building, but we did purchase a space within one that's highly visible. It was also what felt like a fairly bold move for us inside of COVID. Definitely. You know, Proverb has been... Housed in the South End. I raised my family in the South End. It's one of my favorite neighborhoods, you know, inside of the city. And, and so for us, you wanted to just demonstrate, you know, our level of commitment to being here. We're in a retail space. We purchased a, a corner in the Soa district of this neighborhood, you know, and it was a, a storefront that had been shuttered for about five years or so. And so the idea of being able to breathe new life into the space and to be able to um, have uh, an additional stake in the success of the neighborhood both feels good. And, you know, and we've certainly heard that, that that's something that's happening in both directions. 
You've been involved in a lot of corners of the city and not just uh, branding them. <laughs> One of those organizations, an anchor institution is the Museum of Fine Arts, where you're an overseer, I understand. Can you share with us a little bit about the journey that the Museum of Fine Arts has been on in its own inclusion work and, and in placemaking and place branding? The term the museum uses now are our advisors. I've had the privilege of being involved in the museum for over 10 years now at this point. And um, what I will say is that um, the DE&I work that we're talking about today has been work that's really been an effort that's been underway for many, many years. And um, A, given that the museum's mission is uh, to present an encyclopedic collection, and you can't do that if you don't have many different points of view. And so I'm one of many advisors. It's an amazing group of people. It's, uh, I've learned a great deal uh, inside of the time that I've been working with the museum, you know, in terms of just the level of thought, the level of creativity, the level of study that goes into almost every decision that's made there. I will also say that the museum has also taken on an even greater commitment to be a great neighbor, both to the people who are immediately outside of its doorsteps, you know, but also really want to be a, a real um, resource to the entire city. I think that the MFA is the DNI work that we're talking about and sort of the, the sort of new positioning, you know, of the museum is, is really an effort that's been underway for some time. You know, there's been a strong interest in how does the museum become an even better neighbor to those who live right outside of its doors, wanted to send clear signals to parts of the city where they've had great success, but also parts of the city where there's the opportunity for them to grow even stronger relationships. And I would say that given that this is an encyclopedic collection, wanting to ensure the ways in which that material is presented needs to be just as varied. The audiences that we're trying to speak to are, um, are quite diverse. You know, we're trying to speak to audiences that use the facility once a week. We're also trying to be you know, sort of just as compelling and just as relevant to someone who's visiting the city for a weekend. And so... As we think about um, the themes of the MFA and the ways in which it's able to connect people to people through art, we at Proverbs actually sort of feel like that's a theme that shows up in the work that we do as well. Darren, do you have a favorite exhibit or room or way to experience the MFA? I would say that my favorite room in the MFA is probably the Buddha Gallery. And so there are these giant Buddhas, primarily heads. And it's just an incredibly serene environment. For me, it never gets old. I used to oftentimes uh, go there with my daughters with our sketch pads, and they're half Vietnamese, and so yeah, and I've spent a lot of time in, in Southeast Asia, and so it, you know, it, it's it's one of these parts of the museum that is always on display for me, at least, almost always leaves me in awe. It gives a sense of peace. I love that room, yeah. definitely. So let's shift a little bit and, and talk a little bit more about you specifically uh, as a leader. You know, this podcast, as we've talked with many CEOs over time, has been described as kind of a masterclass in leadership. And so since this particular masterclass features you as our teacher, what advice do you have for our listeners, whether they're up and coming leaders, folks already in the C-suite, what are some learnings that you might share with them? I would say the first is, and it's often said that a, a crisis is a terrible thing to waste. And uh, I'm a big believer in this. You know, I, I think that um, 
if you're able to figure out how to innovate in an environment like this one, data shows that you're quite likely to accelerate faster or have an even stronger sort of position or offering as we um, either are going into a recession or at some point begin to exit one. But I would also say that if you're able to do that and your competitors aren't as much, that can translate into a real advantage. And certainly the inverse is true as well. I would also say that you know difficult circumstances can really help you to prioritize, force you to make hard decisions and to bring an additional sense of discipline and rigor, you know, particularly if you were able to sort of broaden that across the entire management team. I would say that, you know, fear of the unknown oftentimes cripples leadership. My advice is to lean into that and to don't stop, but to look at how you can adapt. And, and I think that, at least for me, one thing that's been really helpful in terms of embracing some of that or at least getting more comfortable with some of that uncertainty is I've um, been able to develop a meditation practice. And uh, you know, it's the first thing that I do when I get out of bed. And, and usually that's followed up with a run. And I tend to think of that as my public service. You know, I'm a <laughs> kinder, more effective nicer, uh, you know, (laughs) Darren, as a result. And probably just the last, and it's also a quote, you know, and it's um, like, what's the point of being the best if it only brings out the worst in you Uh, (laughs) and others, right? And so, you know, we we run a high performing company and um, oftentimes it can feel pressured and what have you, but wanted to ensure that we're treating each other well and treating ourselves well and certainly our customers is, is something that um, we place a, a lot of value on and try to keep that front and center. Those are some great, great insights. I, yeah. I love le- leaning into the unknown. That's uh, that's a great one. Yeah. And speaking of uh, leaning into the unknown, what are some of your observations on the changes underfoot in our city and region and what might lie ahead? What are you optimistic about and what worries mm-hmm. you? Yeah, I mean, I recently heard that um, if the industrial revolution was about technology and the digital revolution was about computers, that now in this age of information, that it's about creativity and that many of our problems that we face right now can be solved through creative thinking, you know, combined with other things. But the first piece of it is being able to bring new thinking to those existing problems or being able to imagine new solutions and things along those lines. That being said, I think that Boston's incredibly well positioned to be a leader in that environment. And just given the things that we're already well known for and the things that we already excel at and all of the research and thinking and instruction that happens here, I would also say that I'm optimistic that and encourage that Boston seems to be leaning into itself more and more so, and it being less about being compared to others. And when I think about other great cities, you know, that's what they do, whether that is San Francisco or Amsterdam or Paris or any of those. And I think of Boston alongside those types of locations. And I think that 10 years from now, I think we'll be thinking about Boston even more so that way. I would also say that I think that there are fundamentals that drive our economy, and many of them we do well here, whether that's innovation, life science, travel and tourism, entertainment, technology, and that those things really do help to drive our reputation as a global leader. For us here at Proverb, and we hear these themes all the time, in terms of the things that worry me, probably the first one is that when times get hard, people tend to be more conservative. And this shows up in obvious ways, like in the fashion industry, that hemlines get longer, right? Mm -hmm. Which is kind of an old, outdated (laughs) 
<laughs> view of the world, but I mean, but or or that men dress more conservatively, or you know, suits come back, things along those lines, and and we've seen this over and over again. And so for me, what I don't want to see is that that impulse leads us back to doing the things that we were doing in 2019 or 2015 or 2010. There's a lot of opportunity for us to capitalize and particularly in the moment that we're in and and look at how we can institutionalize it. I'm old enough to um, have seen other moments in history. And moments come and go, and we can kind of pick and choose which ones we, we look at, what have you. And so we want to make sure that that we make the most of what's been created inside of this COVID environment. By the way, we always close with some rapid fire questions. So this is a off the top of your head Q&A, and it allows our listeners to get to know you a little bit Mm -hmm. in a different context. So my first question is, what did you want to be when you grew up? Yeah, you know, I mean, for me, it was, uh, yeah, it was either an artist, a science or a veterinarian. And certainly I feel like I've been able to, um, to wed the first two, uh, you know, so much of design is some combination of, you know, diagnosing problems and then figuring out how you can create something that effectively addresses them. But that's where this all started. Favorite food. And uh, I know no one likes to play favorites, but favorite spot you might recommend to an out-of-towner. Favorite food would be, would be mangoes. <laughs> which is how I start most of my days. Uh, when I was a kid and I, I grew up in Bermuda and at that time, I mean, mangoes were super exotic and super expensive. And so if, like my parents showed up with the case. It was like Christmas in the middle of the summer. And at this point, like the price of many things have come down and I'm now in a position where I can have them on a daily basis. And if I can, why wouldn't I? Right. So for me, it's, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I would say mangoes and, and then pizza. Tell us your favorite food recommendations. Yeah, you know, I, for me, I'll probably sort of rephrase the question because it's probably one of the places that I really miss. And it was one of the places that I would always take friends to uh, when they were visiting the city. And, um, and that's Wally's Cafe, which uh, was on Mass Ave, or it still is on Mass Ave. They're in hiatus in the South End. And um, it's this incredible institution. You know, it was a place where particularly young musicians could like practice their craft. It was almost never a cover charge. My dad's a Berkeley College of Music graduate. He has memories of the time that he spent in Boston there and what have you. And to me, it's kind of unlike, you know, any other place in the city. And um, I can honestly say that I've never walked out of there feeling anything less than positive mentally. And so I'm certainly hopeful that um, they'll be able to reopen their doors, but it's, it's certainly a place that I, um, I think of often. The all-inclusive campaigns sort have of helped to communicate what people who live in Boston love about it and hopefully helps others to fall in love with the city. What do you love about Boston? Yeah, I love that Boston isn't a place that you move to just because you're good looking. You come to Boston because you're really good at something or that you're looking to get good at something, you know, and, and I love this theme of learning, of being stimulated by others. And I love the scale of Boston, you know, like you can have access to just about anyone or you can figure out how to get to just about any place, you know, and I think that the size and scale and, um, and curiosity and commitment to learning are things that both brought me here, but also keep me here. 
Do you have a favorite spot or sort of happy place in the city? Yeah, I um, I love the public garden. I'm a runner. I do it most mornings uh, and try to change up my route. But I almost always try to figure out some loop that brings me through there. Uh, you know, and and just like the amount of thought, attention to detail, the smells, the sounds. It never gets old. And I would say that probably the other part of the city that I love is actually being out on the water. And I think it changes how you view the city. Darren, my teenage son and husband sent me a picture earlier today, paddle boarding on the Charles. And uh, the view actually behind them of the city itself is spectacular. I think everyone yeah. should get a chance to see the city from that vantage point. Absolutely. Just a couple more. I, I'm curious, what makes you laugh? There's a lot of levity required, right? And uh, humor required in being a leader and facing mm. uh, the challenges of of that role. Curious what yeah. your sense of humor is. I would say that some days I'm the closest thing I have to a voice of reason. <laughs> That makes me laugh. <laughs> uh, that's great. Do you mean uh, that you're the adult in the room in that? <laughs> oh, yeah. Or even sort of just the conversation that's happening in my head, you know? Uh, and yeah. Uh, yeah. So, but, um, but yeah, that's, yeah, that probably makes me smile. Well, it's I don't know if to that's too to dark for you. Yourself. No, it's yeah. good. <laughs> if you can laugh at yourself, right? <laughs> it's uh, a good way to look at the world too. Yeah. Finally, a wish for Boston. Yeah, I really wish that Boston continues to double down and lean into itself. I think what has happened in Austin is tremendous, or you know, what's happened in Amsterdam is tremendous, or what's happening in Nashville is amazing, or Oakland, or I mean, go down a long list, you know, Cape Town. And I think that we have all the potential, all the resources to do just that. And so I am excited that we have probably been able to play a role in that. But I'm also excited to see where we are, you know, in 10, 20, 30 years from now. And that wraps up another episode. Thank you so much for joining us, Darren, and for sharing your insights. I'm Saskia Epstein. And I'm Carolyn Jones. And this is PNC C-Speak, the language of executives. Our guest today was Darren Basco, Managing Director and Creative Director of Proverb Agency. Darren, thanks so much for spending time with us today. Saskia, Carolyn, thank you so much. This has been tremendous. You can find C-Speak at bizjournals.com backslash Boston or on any of your favorite podcast platforms. Until next time. You've been listening to PNC C-Speak, the language of executives. This podcast and other engaging episodes can be found at bizjournals.com slash Boston. Search PNC. Come back soon and join us for another PNC C-Speed.